Hey everybody, welcome back to the Quality Conversation Podcast, the show where we talk about whatever is on our mind. It has been a bit of a hiatus through the holidays, and I am joined mm-hmm. once again by my co-host, Andy. So Andy, Hi, everyone. happy holidays now that it's all over. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy uh, New Year. We are, of course, um, back on the show. So with that mm. in mind, what is on your mind? Well... I mean, over the holidays, there was, you know, some good, some good Netflix show to catch up on called uh, The Witcher. Yeah. So I, I spent a good amount of time watching The Witcher, and and now seeing everyone talk about it and get hyped up about it, I think it's something that we should talk about because I know that you've watched it all. I did watch it all. And yes. and and I've, I've watched it. it all, and I I think we've got stuff to talk about. There's that, and and I went and saw Star Wars. Yes, you did. I did. I I haven't seen it yet, Sucks. but I talk about it. It's um, <laughs> I I've I've read about what happens. I I know what happens, and you know every review I see of it is just uh, they played it very safe, just to try and not ruin um all the hard work of building Star Wars over the years. So well, I mean, do you want to uh, like, do you want to talk about that now or? Oh, I mean, we can talk Star Wars now for sure. Um, well, just oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I I went into it without any high hopes. You know, I went mm. because I feel like it, it's something I should see to be able to talk about it because reviews is what yeah. I do. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'll make a YouTube review about it. I feel like it'll get lost in the sea of reviews. Um, but I, I felt it was only appropriate that I, if I'm going to review every other Star Wars except this one in some fashion, whether it's on a podcast yeah. or whether it's a video, I, I think that at least I should have gone and seen it. You know, So I did. Mm. And I left the theater. Emerald and I went and saw it. And I left the theater saying that with my expectations so low, <laughs> I actually managed to not hate it. Like, I, I, it's weird. I want to use the term enjoyed it, but that seems to like, like my experience of going to the theater, eating crappy food and watching the movie was a good one. Would I say that it is a good film? I think there was potential for a good film. Like there was with the, Mm -hmm. with all of the star Wars. Well, I mean the fan fiction, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. I thought it was strange that they only made two Star Wars films. It really felt like, I mean, they had Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and then they had Star Wars, mm-hmm. The Rise of Skywalker, which felt like two <laughs> movies, that, but condensed into one. And I think that for mm. a trilogy, you know, I mean, I know they had the, the fan story that someone made, you know, The Last Jedi or whatever, but that clearly yeah. wasn't canon. I mean, it's clear that the movie doesn't consider that canon. So, like, they should have just cut this in half and made two films and then it would have been better Mm. that was Mm. (laughs) that's sort of my conclusion on it is that oh man i i mean the the only reason i haven't seen i haven't gone to the theater and watched rise of skywalker is because you know i want to watch it with my wife but dom has not seen the last jedi yet and i'm just she's like oh I, i should watch it so we can go watch the new one and i'm just like yeah, but it's, complete, it's completely unnecessary. The honest truth is, is that J.J. Abrams... You know how Ryan Johnson created his fan fiction specifically to just delete 
everything J.J. Abrams did. The, the I've said this before, and most people agree. Some people try to be contrarian. But, like, The Last Jedi was Ryan Johnson just giving J.J.'s entire setup the middle finger. He hates mm. all of it. He wanted to try to do something far out there. And what he ended up doing was creating a Jar Jar Binks side story in Canto Bite and creating a pointless chase scene that had no stakes mm. out of just the rest of the film. And it was it was pointless and it concluded nothing. It, it, it his, He attempted yeah. with specific points to delete what J.J. Abrams did. And so what happened, right, is that J.J. Abrams just deleted everything he did. Right. So JJ says, your parents are nobodies. Snoke doesn't matter. They just kill off Snoke. So what did they do? What did JJ Abrams do? He completely came back and said, "Uh, actually, uh, I didn't lie to you. I was just, your parents were nobodies, but their parent, their, your parents' parent was someone important. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, like Snoke wasn't important. Ha ha. Because Palpatine's back. Ha ha. But but he was important because because Palpatine made him and he was all part of Palpatine's plan. So he was important, but not in the way you thought. Not that important. Yeah. Right. Ha ha. Gotcha. Well, that's the thing is they're playing 4D chess. Exactly. And that's the problem. They should have never. Jay, listen, I I have my, my issues with J.J. Abrams. I'm not a big fan of his way he has done star wars but compared to ryan johnson he should have done all three movies because then it it is clear to me there's consistency right it's it's about that you get one idea that runs through it all and it's not confusing well it's kind of like the fact that people talk to me you know and they always say hey you know we know that you don't hate solo and i'm like yeah you're right i don't hate solo i thought Mm -hmm. that it wasn't a star wars movie but i thought it was a good sci-fi film that's what i always say it's like if you removed Star Wars and changed the name from Solo to like um, Jonathan, a sci-fi story. You right, Jonathan, and, Jonathan in space. Right, no, but if you did like, if you just changed the name to like Space Heist or something like that, it, it honestly it would be like a solid sci-fi film. Like the effects were good, the scenes were good. Yeah. Like there was some stuff some storytelling elements that were kind of bad or the way the actors were directed to react. Like Mm. the love of my life just died. And 15 minutes (laughs) later, I'm going to act like that's, I'm not going to react to that. Like, yeah. Even if you were going to say that the guy was like cold and heartless, that wasn't really depicted very well. It was just hard to tell why he was reacting the way he was. And that tells me that they shot those scenes on different days and failed to like bring the actors back. Carry it over. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, but but overall, it was a solid sci-fi film. I loved Rogue mm-hmm. One, even with my issues with the fact that I thought yeah. it was going to be Star Wars: Ocean's Eleven, and it turned out to be more dramatic. <laughs> you know, uh, just a just a funny side note with Rogue One. I was mm-hmm. I was just looking through, um, you know, before we started this episode today, I was just looking through list of Star Wars characters that have died, um, just just because, just because uh-huh. I was, you know, I just got into that mood. I was like, I know we're going to talk Star Wars. I'm just going to look at some random Star Wars stuff. And the list that I found was just like, it tells you the name of the character, the side of the force they're on, the movie they died in, and kind of how they died. So it it goes through kind of like, um, you know, your Obi-Wan dying to Luke in A New Hope, uh, like loses the lightsaber battle. So, oh, A New Hope, oh, a couple people died in Attack of the Clones, and then it's just died in Rogue One. 
died in Rogue One, died in yeah, Rogue One, died in Rogue One. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. And then it's like, oh, we got two more people that died in Attack of the Clones. Oh, we got someone that died in Empire Strikes Back. And then someone in like the the Last Jedi. And I'm just like, wow, Rogue One really pulled a Game of Thrones. Yeah, it <laughs> just did. killed everyone. <laughs> like you, you look back at it and you're like, well, I, I know I left that movie feeling depressed for a reason and now you've just reminded me why because literally everyone died just here is your movie cast deceased yeah (laughs) you know what even even halo reach gave us one guy survived at the end the sniper yeah um even that no no it's actually true though you're you're 100 right like literally everyone is freaking dead and um uh in the um it, at the end of rogue one like literally everyone yeah. anyone of import you know mm. they like it's just like the extras are the the only ones that survive at the end like uh, even the the former admiral fat akbar like <laughs> like fat admiral fatbar <laughs> like he he died you know because darth vader's fleet showed up and rammed into them mm. um but like the the thing the thing is to to kind of sort of make my 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 final point is that like if you look at those you look at the last jedi not the last jedi sorry the the rogue one or solo right like i don't think solo is great but again Mm. it was a solid film it wasn't a good star wars film but it was a solid film and if you ask why it's because it is a single film when they wrote it they wrote it start to finish the problem with this entire failure of a trilogy is that i don't think they really knew where they were going you know they Mm. they didn't have an idea of what they wanted to do and i mean that's true with the original trilogy too i mean you can see how there's a line in when when luke like reveals his relationship or someone reveals uh, luke's relationship to leia where they say Mm. they've always known and then you remember the scene where she kisses him in an earlier movie it's clear that like when they were making it they didn't know where they wanted to go with it. Yeah, they but, kind of conveniently forgot about that, that little scene. <laughs> but I do think that they had a... Con- I think there was a concept of a beginning and an end, right? Like an overarching mm. story. I think it's the actual script for the actual film and the individual characters that they didn't yeah. have a concept for. But I think for the 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 plot of the Empire, the plot of the good guys fighting the bad guys, there was a a plan right just like yes. how we let yes. vader live and all this stuff like there was clearly mm-hmm. a plan mm-hmm. and that's what they really lacked in this new series is they just really didn't know and they shouldn't have for something so i don't want to use the term precious but like when you're talking a fan base as rabid as the star wars fan base and as old as well so. yeah as old you need to somehow be gentle and I think handing it mm. over to Ryan Johnson, who is obsessed with subverting expectations, was an absolutely just mm. abysmal move. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's almost like they they gave a prompt to uh, three different writers and said, okay, you write a beginning, you write a middle, and you write an end. No matter what comes out, we're just going to smush them together. And it's it, it's like it'll be a fun little exercise. Yeah. It was a writing exercise gone too far. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I just also, didn't understand what's going on. I also think it's important because like when, 
something people don't talk about when they talk about like, oh, like, why are you getting so political with this? As I go, it's not about Star Wars not being political. It's that it was overarching themes, right? Just one big theme, like racism in the form of imperial human centricity or the sort of Nazi-esque theme of making them seem, I mean, the goal was to make them bad guys, right? It, mm. Any story where there are good guys and bad guys in political groups is political, but Star Wars has always been like, clear defined lines about you know these are the bad guys these are the good guys the yeah. bad guys are bad because of things we all agree on that are bad mm -hmm. you know but when, when you tend spend too much time trying to make like social statements to try to like affect the real world with such a precious ip that's supposed to be an ip about just fun you know enjoying science fiction yeah i think you're making a mistake because you're going to be so caught up in trying to create not because putting those things out there is bad. I think it's important yeah. to recognize that what's wrong is that you spend more time trying to make a statement than make a good scene. And that's why it yes. becomes weird. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, one of the cause, mistakes. Yeah, because if you look at it where it's... Um, one of the scenes that I love the most in all of the Star Wars is actually from episode three where Palpatine, you know, reveals his face in front of the Senate after he's been attacked by Mace Windu and his face is all melted because and he's just like, the, this whole thing, the Jedi tried to assassinate me. We must move away from this whole democracy thing. And that's like the real start of the Empire. And it's just like, okay, yeah, that was freaking cool. Right. And there's this, this whole, like, we're breaking democracy kind of thing. But you know what? Like, that was a great scene and that was a, great part of the story of star wars like you know you can you can take your political um views from that and kind of apply it to those scenes right but the the movie didn't ex explicitly say like oh we're eating the rich or you know we live right. in a society and it was um yeah it's just uh it was just nice a nice scene a nice way to sum it up i i like that too and i, I there's also a scene with palpatine honestly in my Palpatine opinion, Palpatine is just a great figure. <laughs> Palpatine was such a great character from the from the prequels, like one of the better ones. And mm. I think what I really, I mean, yes, there's the Sheev spin and stuff like that, but like you know, overall, um, <laughs> like his character and the actor, the way the actor portrayed him, I thought it was really good. And one of my favorite parts is mm. when he's they've they've just voted to like you know start things up, and he goes, "I love democracy." Yeah, You know, and it's such a funny line considering that he's the bad guy. And you're yeah. like, of course he loves democracy because he's the bad guy, not because he's a conqueror, but because mm. he convinces everyone to just fall under his heels, you know, yeah. by being a really good politician. And mm. that makes a conversation about politicians and all of that. But see, the thing is, the thing about those statements, it's like making a lawyer joke. You're relying on information most people already agree on. Right. Mm -hmm. And then writing a good scene on your own that's relevant yeah. to the universe rather mm -hmm. than trying to write a scene that's relevant to your universe that is about something that you want to make a point about in the real world. Right. Yes. I, I, I want to talk about this this issue, this social issue. So I'm going to try to jury rig the, the universe and the setting and the movie to fit that statement rather than the other way around. You know, yes. Welcome to Washington D.C. Tatooine. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that is to some degree how it how it feels. Um, 
So, you know, I mean, I've talked about it before. I've said a lot about how, like, there's, there's like, if you remove all of the, like, love scenes and you sort of remove Jar Jar Binks and you, you, like, like, I remember there's a version of Attack of the Clones, which is, like, abridged, where Mm, they, they cut out all the love scenes and it suddenly goes from, like, a terrible movie to a much better film. Not perfect, because he was so obsessed with special effects back then, but, Mm. like, when he shouldn't have. But, like, <laughs> it's so much better because you realize that those are just bad, awkward scenes. Because it, between you and me, yeah. I think love stories are already more awkward than you realize. It's just that yeah. when you get caught up in a love story, you forget. You, for, you forgive it and yeah. forget. Yeah. You don't you're really like, realize oh, yeah, what you're watching. Char- these characters should be together. You know what? I'll, I'll let it slide. And then by the end of it, you're just like, oh yeah, my characters, the two characters that I liked, they're together. I'm happy about it, and they did all this other cool stuff together. But if you were to just look at those scenes purely on their own, you're just like, hold, hold on a second, <laughs> this is right. This is really awkward. <laughs> and so then you put it in a movie like Star Wars, which isn't particularly like, it's not as as fitting. And then you try to make it sweet and romantic mm. and watch the development of a relationship. And you then know, suddenly civil war is the next scene and things are exploding. You're just like, well, okay. They didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Han and Leia where it was just sort of implied that he wanted to get the princess. And mm. then at the end he gets, gets the princess, but we don't follow that afterwards and watch the awkward date night at the spaghetti shop. You know, mm. we don't watch him trying to say something sexy, you know, yeah. like, like we don't watch that <laughs> stuff. We don't, we don't watch her try to be, less authoritative and more like oh come get me dashing man oh rebel oh <laughs> right right we don't we don't get those awkward you know yeah moments where they try to be outside of who they've been for so long to try to be romantic but then you go mm. to this story of this 20 year old woman and a 12 year old who you know have apparently fallen for each other after eight years and yeah. You know, now he's now he's in his twenties and she's in her, I guess, her thirties, and he's like, "I've been watching you." <sighs> I also <laughs> through the window, through the force, <laughs> through the window to the wall. No, but um, to the wall. <laughs> but like, yeah. So anyway, my you know, I think we've had some quality conversation on this, but my my real uh, yeah. point is that. I think that there was, there's a plenty to pick apart about some of the little plot points, you know, in the new one, uh, mm. the stupid control tower scene. My, my biggest thing, and actually this is what I have to say about Star Wars, Disney Star Wars. And I think I, I it's weird because people have talked about specific stuff, but they haven't said this as much in my opinion, uh, at least not that I've read. Disney's biggest issue when it comes to handling Star Wars, especially the force. Hmm is that Disney doesn't understand power level. They don't yeah. understand what the significance is of certain force powers. You know, we've we had we've had so many video games where you played a character that could shoot force lightning for some reason because it was cool, right? Yeah. That no one ever talked about the fact that it's like, right, but Kyle Katarn Why? was a pretty yeah. experienced force user and throughout the game it's supposed to be implied that you're on these epic journeys gaining more power and experience and so he learns to do this stuff Mm -hmm. um and he's one of the better more powerful force users like 
you know, Jedi Academy goes like doesn't just impl- like it implies that you spend a lot of time surviving and learning and gaining control to a degree mm-hmm. that's also very impressive. Like you are an impressive person, and yeah. you know, I and 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 it's gamified, right? To a degree, it is also just gamified. the The degree mm-hmm. of power that a character has in a video game is innately greater than the degree of power a character in the actual stories have. Yes, you know? definitely. And I'm not just talking about Ray. Like, this isn't even trying to call her a Mary Sue. I'm talking like everybody. You know, yeah. there's just Kylo Ren was too strong to me in the very beginning. I was like, who is this guy? Like, he's stopping mm. a an item. Like, he is stopping a blaster bolt, which is light. So it's moving at the speed of light towards a target in midair. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then casually walking around while it sits in midair. That was just the Force Awakens. Now we get into, you know... I mean, a cool scene, but, like, if you think about it in in canon, like, he has to be incredibly strong to to do that. And the fact that he hasn't already just breezed through everything, being able to do that on the very first scene, it's kind of jarring. Well, right. And no one actually talks about that because we don't get to see it as much. We assume he's had more training, which to a degree Mm. he has, but he's still Yeah, because he was the Padawan and, and everything. It was in the end... But, but but even then, you know what I yeah. mean? Like like Luke didn't shoot force lightning out of his asshole after two <laughs> weeks with Yoda. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. like we assume that he has been going through some serious training, and I even still felt like maybe he was a little too much. I mean, mm. one of the things that uh, was interesting about him was what what an ace pilot he was. And I go, okay, but like Luke being a pilot was in his backstory. It was something he had actually spent a long time learning with the intention of going to the... growing up, literally piloting piloting things around Tatooine, yeah. Well, and his his goal was to go to the academy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, we had Anakin, which it was poorly done, but we were also told that that was like his... He had two major skill sets. He had very strong Mm. connection to the Force... And he was a very good pilot from a young age with a love for piloting. Yes. And and then he was in the academy, like being trained for at least 12 to 15 years before it, between right. like episode one and Attack episode three. That's like, and like Attack of the Clones is like at least 12 years, right? Right, and then right. By episode three, he's like 25 maybe. So he's had almost 20 years worth of training by the time he becomes Vader. Exactly. And he still, like, doesn't have great control over the Force. Like, when he starts to give in to the dark side, like, he gets stronger because he's just un... Emotion. Inebriate, yeah. Like, he just, like, lets it go. And there's no kind of um, inhibition there. But even then, all he can do, he, he goes for, like, the choke, and he, he still, in the end, loses to Obi-Wan. Right. Who has been trained for longer... And he's just, like, experienced. Like, sure, he has this unbridled power and, you know, in canon, stronger force-wise than Obi-Wan, for sure. Yeah. But the the training is ultimately what did it. I mean, you you look at the Palpatine scenes, right? You don't imagine him being able to do half the stuff that he does. But just from age and experience, him and Yoda, they mm-hmm. you'd expect that to be this massive thing, but... They're both so invested and so well trained that they they know how to concentrate it and not waste energy, which is right. what Anakin did right. essentially, right? So 
it's 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 very telling that Palpatine is the only person in the series in the movies that you see use lightning. Right. Well, remember, even Vader doesn't use force lightning. Yeah. His his quintessential move is the choke. And here's the other Mm -hmm. thing. We've seen it recently, even with like the Mandalorian, you know, we've seen the force choke be used as this like simplistic thing, but it was never that in any of the lore. Like I remember force grip as it's called was something that yeah. took a while to get in a lot of video games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like not something you just started with. And yeah. like... Because that's the epitome of Vader. It's like the iconic thing that he does, isn't it? And mm-hmm. when he's at his height of power, so... It's this power where it's like at the most innate level, he doesn't even have to lift someone up. He's reached the point where he can just sit there and just choke you out while you're just mm. standing there. That's the level of, of like minute like grabbing he can do on you and it's that that's supposed to be that impressive and now you know just everyone fucking does it you force sensitive choke someone it's just a sign that you don't understand that that's i I did like in episode three where you know when he choked padme like she lifts off the ground and then in a then in a new hope he he is literally just does that and the guy just starts choking choking. (laughs) yeah exactly the degree of control yeah that he's gained right and so going into that Disney just doesn't understand it because now we mm. have we have a scene where she literally tries to grab a spaceship that's taking off with the force and keeps it from taking off. And then Kylo Ren tries to grab it from her with the force and they're having a struggle <laughs> going like this on a fucking <laughs> spaceship that has I mean this is a spaceship. It had like four yeah. engines. It's producing more thrust than an airplane. Like, this this is something blasting into space. The kinetic energy alone is more than any lightning that Palpatine could produce. And then, spoiler alert, you know, put me on, mute me for five seconds if you don't want to hear this. Uh, Then she, while struggling, gets so frustrated, she accidentally shoots force lightning, blowing up the whole ship. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's, but, but she did it by accident. And I'm sitting here and I'm just like, listen, in theory, I don't have the problem with like tricking someone into accidentally using force lightning. There was a story of when Plo Koon used mm. force lightning, but he called it justice lightning because <laughs> he, he... He didn't want to feel bad about it. Well, so in lore, in the expanded universe, it's supposed to be that lightning is a projection of your desire to kill someone. You, you mm. literally have to focus on wanting to kill them and wanting them to be dead and then you project that energy at them um his thing though was that the force you know you can use the positive emotions to affect the force and so he used righteous righteous fury to produce lightning rather than hate and desire to kill and In theory, I actually thought that was really cool. But you yeah. also have to know that Plo Koon is, sits on the council and is a Jedi master and is considered one of the more powerful ones. Yes. So him accidentally producing lightning from an intense emotion doesn't seem all that far-stretched, you know? Yeah. But I mean, when like... you think about it as well, I mean, you've got Plo Koon, Jedi master, the only person that you see in the trilogy of films, or in the, the set of films, absorb force lightning without a lightsaber is master yoda yep exactly and, he, and count dooku used lightning but count, to, yeah count dooku was learning from palpatine lightning is palpatine's signature move and yeah 
uh, what was it? Um, Count Dooku was one of the more powerful Jedis who ever left the Jedi Order. Hmm, true. Like, he is considered a huge loss because he was, like, trained by Yoda. He was very experienced, and he was considered very yeah. skilled. Um, it's just this idea that I just don't think they understand the sense of scale on power. You know, yeah. when when we encountered the Emperor for the first time, and he uses lightning. It's super intimidating. Like, even Vader is intimidated by that lightning, you know? And now everyone's just throwing around. It's just the cool dark side thing to do. Oh, you, you're yeah. having a negative emotion? Oh, you accidentally shoot force lightning? Oh, going down the dark side. What can I tell you? You know, just <laughs> like, oh, that's... Padawans accidentally shoot lightning every time they get mad at their mom, you know? Like, for every day. <laughs> oh, my God, Mom, I want more Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things. Like I, every time you burn your mouth on a pizza roll, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you 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 cook the whole thing completely. You know, like I don't know. That's my experience. Uh, yeah. If I were to sort of leave it there, that's that's I think the biggest issue I have. There are there are other plot points that are just what it comes down mm. to me is lack of setup, um, and it's just lack of scale because they even do that with like Palpatine's fleet. Every single one of yeah. them has a fucking Death Star laser. And I go, the thing about mm -hmm. the Death Star is it took an entire moon-sized machine to fire that laser. And it was actually the fact that they made Starkiller Base, mm. it devalued the Death Star. I, I think every time you try to upscale, you power creep something, mm. you l reduce the value of that thing. Because now it's just like, you know, really, I know it's everywhere. Yeah, it, it there should be some significance to the amount of effort it takes to create a weapon like that. You know, yeah. the amount of materials, the amount. Of, I mean, yes, even in the real world, nukes are a lot smaller now than they used to be. But even then, there's still a scale. It's still not like like we, what we've done is we've gotten better at reducing the size of a nuke and reducing the amount of space it would nuke. It's more tactical less hmm. destroy an entire countryside you know yeah but even then i feel like when you're talking a planet destroying super laser there should be like we couldn't we shouldn't keep doing one-upsmanship on it like there yeah. should still be even if you want to say oh we were able to miniaturize it it should still be less than yeah. a single See, gun i i really i i agree with you the the fact that you know, it takes an entire space station to essentially just be that gun that happens to have living quarters in it. It's a it's a gun with living quarters. Right. The Death Star. Exactly. Let's, let's just be honest. It's it's a flying gun that you can sleep on. <laughs> and I I, <laughs> I did really I just like see, think of um, someone like sleeping like just a flying like nineteen eleven and there's just a little yeah. bedroom on it. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just in the in behind this lot behind the safety. Like you turn the safety on, that's it. There's like you closed your windows. It's <laughs> bedtime. <laughs> like, but but what I what I really did like is the fact that when they in the Force Awakens they had the entire um, like planet become the new weapon, mm -hmm. and like they they upscaled it that way. They used an entire planet where they didn't need to get the space station in range if they channel an entire planet's worth of energy and massive machine 
to fire it across the galaxy instead. Like, I liked that. And the fact that they weren't building multiple because it was taking so long to build that one was really good. I think my but only... then everything has a Death Star laser. It's just kind of like... I, I agree. Flattening. It, I think my only issue with Starkiller Base uh, was physics. Um, okay. the, the fact that uh, at five seconds after firing the laser, they blew up an entire solar system. But they're shooting a laser, which means it's moving at light speed, which means it should have taken a few million years for it to arrive. <laughs> and that everyone see and then and then some people are like, well, it was moving through hyperspace. And I'm like, well, if I if, if that's true, let's say that's true for a second. By our own rules, shouldn't it have taken a couple weeks to get there? You know, and like just saying. But that's not a scary, Kevin. And, and that's not a scary. I I mean, I'm just saying. And then and then if it was in hyperspace, how come everyone just sitting on a planet was like, look up there into general <laughs> space? I can see with my plain eyes an object that should be millions of light years away. Because if it's millions of light years away, then it would take millions. The light, of light hasn't years reached to... me. Yeah, yeah. reached me. Yeah, like there's just a number of issues I have with the science behind Star Killer Base, and I know, I know, it's a fantasy sci-fi with space wizards, but every universe <laughs> establishes its rules. Every universe yeah. establishes its rules. The Witcher has rules. Just because it has mm. magic doesn't mean the the magic has rules. Yeah, the magic ha does have rules. Harry Potter has rules. There are rules <laughs> to the magic, like. So you can talk about your space wizards for children all you want, but every universe has rules. And if you can't even follow your own rules, that's not very good storytelling. Mm. That was my issue with Starkiller Base. I agree with you, though, that, that if you're going to scale it up, then scale it up. Yes. At the same time, from a writing perspective, it kind of felt like JJ going, well, they had a Death Star. Well, I'm going to have a Death Planet. Yes. Like... <laughs> It absorbs stars for real. That's that's not a moon. <laughs> that's a that's a planet. It's not the Death Star. Thanks. It's the Star Killer because I suck stars to shoot my laser. Thanks, JJ. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's my only. But I agree that if you're gonna scale yeah. it up, scale it up. It was kind of mm. like the uh, the only thing from fucking the Last <laughs> Jedi that seemed good was the size of the fucking dreadnought it really was a big ship with lots of guns i mean yeah. everything else about the dreadnought it's a fleet killer we gotta turn the fuck around i thought that was stupid <laughs> mm. but at least it was a bigger ship more yeah. intimidating it was big it just it just it wasn't more powerful and just because they said so it was more powerful because goddamn, it had three times as many guns and was about four times the size that, you know that's a thing we do in the real world we make bigger ships with more guns and that makes them scarier and then we make texas where <laughs> everything is bigger even our ships are bigger in texas like normal yeah. ship twice the size everything's oh, bigger in my... texas except the people <laughs> um but so <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, I think my, my real conclusion on the movies, having seen it, was yeah. that it, it it was clear that they had a lot of catch-up to do after the fan fiction, and they really just needed, they needed two more movies. Um, they don't understand power level, and they clearly didn't have an image of what they were trying to go for with the three films, and so they don't really connect very well. The... Mm. The truth is, The Force of Awakens was a new hope, and it felt like a new hope. And 
as a soft reboot, I will I will forgive that. I always said that that I'll forgive that. Um, but it did feel like a movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end. The Last yeah, Jedi didn't feel like anything, and then and I'm not just saying that to be mean. It really just felt like a waste of time. And the the Rise of Skywalker seems like a movie with a beginning, a middle, a middle, a middle, an end, a middle, <laughs> an end, and a middle. And that is that is really my conclusion there. Um, yeah. Actually, I will say one thing, and I want to say this again. This is this is spoilers, so you know, skip ahead by one minute. <laughs> Everyone on the internet complained about one thing to me, like in my timeline everywhere. Uh, everyone was complaining that at the end of the movie, because they hate Ray, right? And I get why. Her characterization is bad. It's very, her character is very poorly written. It's not Daisy Ridley's fault. And it's not the yeah. idea of Ray that's she has, wrong. She has plot armor. Not only does she have plot armor, but she, she's really just plot poorly. Power. She's very poorly written. I, I think she was poorly directed. I think Daisy Ridley is a perfectly fine actor, but I think mm -hmm. that she was poorly directed so her character comes off as uh, flat uninteresting lacking much personality and lacking any real growth even her emotional moments don't feel all that emotional to me they feel kind of just i don't know like she wasn't it didn't feel really like a character you know it felt like a caricature yeah. of something that they wanted i i don't know and the thing about it was, is the only thing that I thought was interesting about her character was the plot around her parents. Not because I was mm -hmm. curious, who are her parents, but actually her level of investment in her parents. Because that was the biggest yeah. thing. That's what kept her on Jakku. That's what really motivated a lot of her actions was understanding who she was. And it was arguably yeah. the best part from The Last Jedi was her trying to figure out who she was while trying to get Luke to train her, right? Reflecting, yeah. seeing herself seeing herself in the reflection and not knowing what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was really good. And then when she discovers who she is, it's very emotional. And while it's clear that they tried to fix Luke by making his force ghost completely better of a character in this movie, he does show up mm -hmm. as a force ghost. Whoa, what a surprise. Yeah. Um, the way he interacts with her and the turmoil she's going through probably some of the best times for her character where i felt like the actor was really able to portray her ability to express the character's turmoil and yeah. her interaction with kylo when she figures out who who her family line is and then at the end of the film and this is the spoiler this is what everyone talks about is everyone says well at the end of this movie she has everything she has luke and leia's lightsabers she has she stole kylo ren's ship and now she has luke's last name because at the end of the film, mm -hmm. someone asks her what her name is. And she says, it's Ray. And they're like, well, what's your last name? And she looks off into the distance, sees Luke's and Leia's ghost, and then says, Skywalker. And everyone says, well, that's just the fulfillment of the Mary Sue. And I go, well, hold on. Earlier in the movie, Luke said to her, you're not defined by who your family is. You're not defined by your last name. You're defined by what you do and who you are. Mm -hmm. Be the person you want to be, not what you th what others think you'll be. And she goes and saves the day and, and actually loses. And mm. um, it's like barely. Like she, she saves the yeah. day by, fail by dying. And mm -hmm. it's someone else who sacrifices. I use my die move. <laughs> right, exactly. I use my die move. And then 
And then it's someone else who sacrifices themselves to bring her back using the technique mm-hmm. that she foreshadowed throughout the movie, which was yeah. dumb that she suddenly had this power. But, you know, again, I don't blame her. I blame Disney not understanding power level. Um, yep. And yep. that scene of her saying, I'm not going to be what everyone thinks I am or what other people have planned for me. I'm going to be what everyone, I'm going to be what who I think I am. And, and I think... I'm a great person. And you know who's a great person? The Skywalkers. I'm going to be what they are. It wasn't so much her stealing the last name from them. It felt more like her. It it was a really, again, it was the culmination of the only good thing about her character. Coming to terms with who she is. It's like, don't be worried about your lineage. You know, she wanted to learn from Luke. Learned some. He saved her. Leia trained her after the fact. And she wanted to live on their legacy. And their yeah. their force ghosts were there giving her the approval, right? Saying, no, you are, you are one of us. And she says, I'm Skywalker. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love that. Like, that was probably my favorite part. That, and there's also a scene where Kylo Ren realizes everything and he ends up seeing a flashback of his dad. Not a flashback, mm-hmm. but like, it's not a force ghost. It's a memory that he's hallucinating, but it doesn't come across yeah. as a hallucination. It's a very touching scene. Again, Kylo Ren and his interaction with his parents, probably some of the, really just everything to do with the parents and the coming of age and figuring yourself out was probably the best stuff from these movies. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's sort of my conclusion is, as everyone complained about that scene and it's probably the only one that I think was truly mm. perfect. It, it like actually Met like meant something. Yeah. Like <laughs> it actually meant something. Exactly. Which unlike the entire last film um. yeah. Can I, <laughs> yeah now bef- before we move on at all i want to just point out one thing to you andy and i i wondered if you noticed this so do you notice how up through the films they always talk about like luke's lightsaber mm-hmm. you know and like she found it at maz's and then he threw it away and then she mm-hmm. kept it and like used it as her lightsaber yeah. you know how it's luke's lightsaber right mm-hmm. except it's not except it's anakin it's anakin's lightsaber yeah. And they don't reference that once in the movie. Yeah. They constantly call it Luke's lightsaber. But Luke's lightsaber is a black handle with a little, like, dish on the it's end. That shoots out dish, of, yeah. That shoots out of Anakin's green. Anakin's is the one with the little, like, um, it's like a semicircle on the side with, like, a little bit of a spiky bit. and Yeah, a little, like, it's, look, well, it's basically a nicer, like, a more complicated version of Obi-Wan's. Yeah, and it's got the um the little lines on the bottom, like yeah, the, the black line stuff on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because that that lightsaber you mean the one that was in this yeah. movie that everyone yeah, kept yeah, calling that, that his one. light. Everyone kept saying it's Luke's lightsaber, and I'm like, Luke lost that lightsaber in Cloud City. <laughs> and and I mean, it's fine if you want to reintroduce it. You want to say that it's got like a strong connection to the Force, so it showed back up. But like in the I think in the flashback in the Force Awakens, they reference the prequels when he like you know that this lightsaber has seen good and evil or something like that but then they yeah. never reference it again and they constantly call it luke's lightsaber and i keep going hmm. his lightsaber is not that one and like at, <laughs> and it was also green <laughs> green right not blue <laughs> at the at the end of the film she buries luke's she has luke and leia's lightsaber and she buries them together um, at the Lars farmstead on Tatooine. And it's supposed to be mm-hmm. a burial because they don't have a body to bury. And yeah. 
because uh, as it turns out, Luke trained Leia, which by the way, everyone complained about, no, we don't, Leia doesn't have any training. I'm like, well, in the expand, I said this to a guy online. I said, actually in the expanded universe, she did. Well, that's not canon. I'm like, right, but you don't know if that didn't still happen. Well, this mm -hmm. movie said, yeah, he trained her. And when she was about to finish her training, she told him she doesn't want to be a Jedi. She wants to use her powers in the world of politics and, and try to mm -hmm. save the world by leading. Um, so she put her side a lightsaber, her lightsaber to be given to a Padawan one day, is what she told him. Yeah. To be given to someone who needs it. So when she loses her lightsaber, Luke goes and gets Leia's lightsaber and gives it to her. At the end of the film, she buries those two lightsabers at the Lars farmstead as sort of a burial, and then turns on her lightsaber, which has been crafted from the end of her staff she always carries around. Which, yeah. it's cool to me. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, yeah. But she buried Anakin's lightsaber with Leia's lightsaber. Luke's lightsaber, well, I don't know where it is. Where is it? God it's knows not where there. it is. Yeah. It's not there. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out because I haven't seen a single person talk about that. Every time I bring it up, people are like, oh, yeah, you're right. But no one talks mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> and that really bothered me. Like I was like, that's not, it's not Luke's lightsaber. He yeah. used it in like one and a half movies. Yeah, like here is your father's lightsaber. Right. Um, what's your father's name? Oh, we find out. Oh, that's Anakin. Um, oh, wow. oh, and, and then, he was yeah. a good friend. And it's seen the good and the evil. It has it has killed lots of people on Tatooine. It has killed lots of younglings on Dude, Coruscant. Nothing I want to use more than a sword that's killed a bunch of babies. Oh yeah. Ah yes, perfect. The baby slaughterer, named for its ability to kill children. <laughs> oh yes i can't wait to use this to save the galaxy i am such a hero with my legendary <laughs> baby slicer <laughs> my legendary weapon like it's like a D, D weapon like plus 10 to hit against babies yeah oh my god halflings watch out like <laughs> yeah plus plus 10 to hit uh, plus 10 to hit and damage against halflings and children or no, no, it counts as a bane weapon against halflings and children. Yeah. Plus two d six damage on everything. Yes. Oh my with the, god. With the child slicer, my legendary <laughs> weapon, saved the galaxy. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So I mean, I'm sorry. I know I've I've had a lot to say on this because I saw the movie and I know you didn't. Um, but I mean, I've I've read enough about it that I kind of no anyway but yeah it's also palpatine was too powerful just wanted to throw that in there okay okay uh, he... well i'm looking forward to watching it just to you know have watched it i it absolutely um... is better than the last jedi yeah like, i mean can... it can't really get much worse than that it's kind of funny so. to me actually the reviewers um gave like the last jedi like one billion out of ten and got and called you a racist sexist nazi if you didn't agree with them now they're giving this movie like a bad review, right? And I'm just mm. like, why? Is it because the it, but yet the audience has given it a higher than the review average, and it's like, yeah. hmm, interesting. It's almost as if you just can't trust any of the reviewers anymore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of trusting reviewers, okay, here we go. I've seen a lot of people saying that they love The Witcher and. You know, I haven't really seen any negative news coming out. You know, like overly negative stuff about The Witcher because they've managed to, unlike Disney Star Wars, is I believe 
capture the essence of The Witcher and kind of get that universe feel. Mm-hmm. That you, you feel like you're actually in The Witcher universe watching that to me. Um, so what do you what do you think of The Witcher so far, Kevin? Are you looking forward to season two? So what, here's what do you like, what do you not like? Okay, okay, I can answer that. Well, um so I enjoyed it. I I, yes. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it all the way through. Um and I am excited for season two. They better make it or I will come to their house yes. and I will pee on their pillows. Because <laughs> um, I want, I want the Witcher. Henry Cavill will also pee on that pillow. Yeah, he will. He will. He's a PC master race, you know. Oh yeah. Um, uh, big up to uh, Henry. Yeah, he loves that stuff. He loves PC. He doesn't console game, but um, he said it in an interview recently. But yeah. uh, so he he did a good job. Uh, actually, it's funny. The negative reviews that I saw for it were, I didn't agree with them. Like they said, like yeah. Henry Cavill, you know his gravel the gravelly voice and blah 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 i was like yes it sounded great i think he did a great job like, yeah i i, I thought mean, he was the most powerful actor in that film not just because he's him but just because of how he played his role was in my opinion the best one like yes. it really was well done i will say on terms of character stuff yennefer um for the first two episodes was good yennefer for like in the middle wasn't so great when she was first becoming you know the the sorceress and like she'd gone through a transformation and then by the end she started to really capture yennefer right like you get that sarcastic kind of like don't give a shit but kind of do at the same time kind of tone from her so i i like how yennefer was has been captured it just took a little while to get there if i'm honest my problem with Yennefer is that I don't think her character was bad. I just don't get a Yennefer feel from her. I don't feel like she's the same character. I feel like they mm. just replaced her with a different, similar, but not the same character. Um, she's on the right track, though, I would say. Yeah, I think one of the problems is is that they tried to... I, it's tough because I know that's how it is in the book, but in the game we don't get as much of her backstory. And mm. getting a lot of her backstory... I don't know. I also feel that the actress that portrayed her does not have as much of an imposing presence as the character did in the game. Um, in the mm. game, she is by no means small. I, it's hard to explain, but she doesn't come across as small scale-wise. And her character has presence. I don't really feel like the actress managed to mm. pull that presence. Um, an interesting point on that. I think, if I'm remembering the game correctly, she's on, she's maybe only a a hair shorter than Geralt in the actual game. Correct. And I know that that's like not the most important thing, but there's just something very there about her mm. character in the game. Very strong presence, imposing. Her her personality lends to that even more. Her physicality yeah. and her personality means that she really takes up a room. And that was a mm-hmm. big part of what made her her. And mm-hmm. in the show, she just feels small. Um, self-centered and yet absolutely unsure mm. in supposedly very powerful and yet incredibly incapable i just felt like she never fulfilled anything she was supposed to do well but it's implied that she is really good and i, I don't know i just i i something about her characterization i just felt like they really dropped the ball on 
Um, I, I, yeah, I mean that. I guess, yeah, I can see that. I don't think Actually, the story yeah. was bad. I just, yeah, 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 definitely, I just definitely. wasn't the character that I was expecting. Mm. Um, I, I will say, I will, I will give forgiveness just because I believe that she is on the right track. Sure. And just the fact that it was an eight episode series fitting a lot in <laughs> that i think was their biggest mistake and actually this is what i was originally going to say before we got into the characterization um i i do have one blaring like just glaring criticism of of the witcher and that's about mm. the first three to four ep episodes i think were very very poorly done and i don't know who to blame for that i think that the individual scenes were fine but i think yeah. whoever decided to I know it's season one and they didn't know if they'd get a season two. So they wanted to try to f make it a complete story. But yeah, I felt that it was almost incoherent. Um, what was mm -hmm. happening? I, I think the first three episodes, if you just removed everything except Geralt and made that into one episode, it would have been an excellent, excellent episode. Cause I thought every scene he was in was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I I would have liked to have seen because the Butcher of Blaviken story, especially if you have read the book, it misses a lot of the subtlety out of it on the episode yes. in the Netflix series, and you know the you miss the whole thing about the old find Geralt learning about the ultimatum on the boat with what Renfrey had done previously and that whole kind of thing where he's like realizing oh shit he, she's gonna start a new ultimatum to get Stregobor out the tower because it's in the book it's a market occasion it's not like the regular everyday market it's like a big event market thing that's going on right. so there's a lot more people that are gonna show up I and felt... Renfrey is pl planning I... to either just murder everyone yeah. To get Stregobor to come out. And if he doesn't, she's going to carry on murdering anyway. And you don't really get that sense of gravity. No, you, you, I, I felt like Renfrey's character was wasted. I, yes. I, I think she was squandered. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting world lore with the entire Butcher of Lavican storyline yeah. that I think was rushed and completely missed out on because we were mm -hmm. very busy setting up in a completely incoherent timeline series story and yennefer's story and the problem mm. with that is because when we start the witcher storyline we have a we focus on mostly monster of the week we focus on these small anthology style stories about Geralt, which builds mm -hmm. his backstory and then when we're yeah. introduced to these other characters we then delve into their plot who they are their significance and slowly we build into reaching the point where those characters come together and in yeah. this what they did was is that they went backwards and told not simultaneous timeline wise stories where some people were some stories were were jumping years and some stories were only yeah. jumping moments and yes. not telling you that and then mm -hmm. finally concluding with the characters meeting and the story getting some sort of coherent timeline while also yeah. skipping a bunch of that really, really good world building. The meaty backstory. Right. Like like you said earlier, if you take episode one, two, and three, 
Um, so you take the Butcher of Blaviken story, you take the story with the Striga, and which was then... a great episode. Yeah, I love that episode. Like the Striga was fantastic, but it's again, what I want there was from the Witcher. Yeah, there was these subtleties and like the little bits about the creation of the Striga and things like that that were missed out. So if you take the first three episodes, all the moments that happen with Geralt, and put them into the first episode, and then you and then have two more episodes for the other people and have it a ten episode series, it would be a lot easier to understand. I agree. Um, but again, the limitations, like you said, they didn't know if they were going to get a season two. They just had to try and introduce, because they missed out a lot, because the pure fact is The Witcher has a lot to, to know about. It has a lot of backstory, a lot of lore. The, the fact And that... you, you have to cut that. There's no way you can't cut large chunks to fit in eight episodes. I, I, I agree and disagree. In that I think that you're right that no matter what, there's a degree of cutting that will happen. But, mm -hmm. like, something they completely missed is the difference between, like, like they talk in later episodes about why they sh they don't give a shit about Sintra. Because Sintra has snubbed the Brotherhood of Mages for how long? Yeah. And then you go, wait, but they had a magician. Oh, wait, he's a druid. And there's a big mm. sign... Mausak is a druid. Mm -hmm. And that has significant meaning in the magic world. That's just completely not even, it's just glossed over. Not even, yeah. you know, it's barely managed. And like, there's one, one in one episode, one line that references them having a druid instead of a mage. And yet that has a lot of significance in The Witcher. Yeah. And yeah. I think that their goal was to try to introduce these three characters so they could tell a strong story about the three of them in the coming seasons. And I think yeah. that was a mistake. If I'm honest, mm -hmm. I think that season one should have just been about Geralt. It should have focused on him. Each episode should have been a quote-unquote monster of the week. And sometimes that monster is Renfrey. You know? Yeah. Because that whole yeah. episode... In fact, how significant would her story about Am I Just Another Monster would have it... Would it have been if that was episode three? Yes. Yes. And and he had just got done killing horrible monsters, and the, now Kikimoras and all of that, and then it's like right. all of a sudden it's just this girl. Like maybe she is um like because in the book she's disfigured, like her hair's falling out and right, all of that. Cursed. But in the yeah, she's uh she's very beautiful in in the series, right? And I think that that that's just like like if you didn't know, then fine. But like, <laughs> if you did, if you hadn't read the book, you'd just be like, oh, okay, uh, it's just this pretty girl who just happens to be evil. Um, but in the book, right. like she's cursed, she's hair's falling out, she's got disfigured face, and you know, it's um, not your typical princess, right? So, <laughs> right, and I think that I think it would have had, excuse me, a much more impactful, like when she's talking, like mean, like story, if they had been discussing her, like you know, the the plot around Stragabor and being treated like a monster and who's mm -hmm. the real monster and him him summoning, like, Stragabor trying to hire Geralt to kill her is like, yeah. because he's a monster hunter, right? And the whole story around a monster has a lot more meaning if we've been previously introduced to the stuff that he norm, that, that, that is normally mm -hmm. called a monster that he hunts. Yeah. And I think that would have been really good 
And I think what they should have done was had the issues around Nilfgaard and um, the the Siri been sort of like starting to get introduced in the like last three episodes so that mm. we have something to lead into of strong significance. Like there should have been hints to it, references to it, you know, yeah. um, that like stuff happening, the significance of that, what's going on, Sintra going to war, maybe some hints about Siri, you know, yeah. and, and even better, we could have early on had him show up at court. Right. Yeah. And had that story of, you know, the child of surprise, but yeah. like we only needed like half an episode for that. And they could have written yeah. it into how he was there. I mean, you have a lot to fit in. There's a lot you have to cut out, but I think yeah. season one should have been about him so that we become married to his character before we get introduced to even more characters and their plot lines and, and, and how those meld together. You know, I think if you had done an episode about Yennefer, an episode about Sintra, just one whole episode about them mm. with no cutaway, and then done an episode of like how he and Yennefer meet, and then yeah. maybe not eight episodes. I think it should have been ten, and then yeah. it should have done that. And then I will say season two. That it would season feel season two. You're probably going to get what you're wishing for. I'm sure. Like, hands I will. down. Like, but, and I think they will actually extend it to 10 episodes, but at I least think, for season two. I, I think something that a lot of shows are failing at when you have these great universes is that you have a story about monster hunting and you spend no time hunting monsters. And mm. everyone loves the Striga. Why? Because it was a monster hunting episode. And mm. monsters are cool. Listen, Supernatural <laughs> didn't become famous because season one was about having sex with angels and making deals with demons. Season one was about ghosts and monsters of Supernatural, and everyone loved that. Mm. And you know what killed Supernatural? E epic no, plot lines. No monsters. Yeah, no monsters. Just humans and human-like angels and demons having long conversations about existentialism. You know? that nobody cares about that and and people the fandoms of supernatural survived because they had two attractive men as their lead actors can i say that on the line of cool things like monsters and fighting monsters the fight scenes in the witcher my lord i love them yeah they're good they done so well i did enjoy i mean that 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 fight with renfrey is exactly what I wanted mm. between Renfrey and Geralt. That's exactly the fight that I expected from reading it in the books. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you get to see it all in the camera, it's none of this business. It's like the camera is jutting around and you're seeing like flashes of a sword. You're seeing well choreographed, well thought out, well shot fight scenes. And you're able to appreciate like the swordsmanship and just the the art of the fight that they're, that well, you, they're having in the witcher you don't want it's, that scene from the star wars where it's just anakin and obi-wan going like this in front of each other without their swords hitting less like i, I could not want anything less <laughs> <laughs> i could not want anything less honestly like it's been so well done like that you hear just even the audio of hearing the sword like <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not a lightsaber. 
it, it, you're hearing the air move around that blade yeah. and they they have done a fantastic job even even the ones where it's not Geralt fighting which by the way Henry Cavill has done a fantastic job in capturing the way that a witcher fights yeah um, the way that he moves it is very witcher it is very very true to it and it, honestly fucking fantastic but then even even the battles where it's like Nilfgaard going into Sintra it's like you get those hard hitting bits of sword battle and just straight up murder yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't shy away from showing you that and they it makes it feel dark it makes it feel grim it makes it feel witcher and honestly like a lot of shows could learn from what the witcher has done with fight scenes i agree 100 and i think a lot of my criticism of the show isn't from the acting well mm-hmm. I, I i don't again the critic i don't think it's from the actors at all and i yeah. don't think that it's from um a storytelling perspective well that's not true i don't think it's from a like choreography individual scene um issue it's the structure of the season yes. yeah is is my bit the the actual direction of the structure was a problem um the the scene direction was good the mm-hmm. acting was good um yeah. i would have just done it differently to introduce us to the and maybe season two will be fantastic and 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 get everything that i wanted but eh, i am of the opinion that i would have rather they just did that in season one a little more striga mm-hmm. a little less yennefer and siri um I, I did find that the I I didn't really like anything to do with Siri, if I'm honest. Uh I actually think I just constantly lived for Geralt. I just loved every scene he was in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Him and Dandelion. Those, yeah. those scenes were oh, well, so no, good. His name's Yaskir. Okay, Yaskir. He's I not know. quite Dandelion. I yet, wish it was yeah. I wish it was called I wish it was just Dandelion. But um like I I didn't I don't think the, act, the 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 child actor who played her did anything wrong. Um, I just mm. think it was more than I needed, right? I think that okay, yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time on her distraught face, like more than a minute at a time, just looking at her distraught face. Like, okay, actually, not a minute, but in actual time, it was probably. I think there was one time I counted to thirty while the the scene mm. just looked at her distraught face, and I just felt like they were hanging on the character too long. Um, I think we were devoting a lot of time to her journey, which I don't think yeah. was necessary because sometimes it just felt like, okay, yeah, I mean, they get it. Like, yep. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. walking through the woods. Yep. Yeah, this happened. Um, yeah, this changeling is chasing after her. Yep. Yep. Mm. You know, it just, I don't know. I was very yeah. bored in all of her scenes. I, th- I, I think, yeah, the one that calls out to me is, you know, when she's going to the forest and it's calling out to her. Sure, that's a good scene. Like you, just like one. But you don't even, and that this is just like to build on your point. It's the you. She hears it calling out to her, and she starts walking towards it. You can you can stop that scene when she gets like a quarter of the way to the forest. You Absolutely. don't have to follow her all the way to the forest. <laughs> you very, know, you can very you can, slowly you can, follow her to the. Forest. You can fade to black with just the the voices still going. And then suddenly, like, cut to somewhere in Geralt and, you know, him doing something fucking awesome. Like, just being Geralt. Like, just saying fuck or having sex with some prostitute or just, you know, talking to Roach. You know, whatever. (laughs) Right. You don't need to 
take every step with the camera. I think what I would have done for that scene is had, because I think the significance of what's his name, the, the elf rain mm. chasing after her. I think that that had a place. Yeah. Um, but I think that they should have uh, definitely like, I, I think that they spent too much time watching her walk. Like as we watched her walking to the forest, I don't really think we needed to constantly cut back to her for 10 to 15 seconds at a time, just watching her walk as yeah. he tried to chase her. I think his, the scenes where he's chasing her and you see her in the, in the background and him in the foreground was, was enough to imply yeah. that she's walking to the woods. And then I don't think we needed any of the side view of her walking. I think oh, you could have cut not. probably two minutes out of that scene and just had it be her entering the field view of her walking to show all the arrows and stuff him chasing after her him getting shot at her continuing to walk and then him in the foreground and her walking and then it like fades out and then and then it could just cut to her walking into the woods like it we didn't need the in between mm -hmm. like the the scenes that show her in the background while he's in the foreground was enough because we mm -hmm. see her still walking in those scenes but there's a number of shots of just her. There's there's like mm -hmm. four or five, and we only needed that once. And then yeah. skip straight to stops in front of the forest and then walks in. And that's yeah. that's it, right? Because mm -hmm. we knew what was happening. But we needed the yeah, significance. Yeah, you, you've cut about a minute and a half off there. Exactly. And you still get everything you need. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's something I would have done. I also think just any scene where she was thinking about something just while she was in the forest, like talking to people, they spend an excessive amount of time on her face and just her looking mm. and everyone just staring at her. There were a lot of pauses in dialogue. I just don't know what they were going for. It often just felt awkward. Hmm. You know, it, yeah. I, I don't know how to describe they were the, it. We, they, the, the scene, the, the series scenes were hundred percent the weakest in the series, like hands down. Uh, just because you said there was, it was just bloated mm. in ways that it didn't need to be. And, and pro, yeah, you know, there's, yeah, um, yeah, that, that's all there is to really say about it. There's, there's just things that you can, you can leave out and, you know, maybe there's most, like, I would have liked to have seen, you know, if you take out all the bits where it's just bloated, kind of looking at her face and kind of these awkward pauses, you could have fit in a good 15 minutes of kind of her and the elf, like being close like being close again and then him leaving has more significance right i him leaving almost felt awkward like i was like it's just like oh you were only there with me for like 10 minutes anyway so right, what's, like, it matter? What's, <laughs> what's the significance of this guy like he he helped her a couple times which is good but like mm. from the viewer's standpoint we got almost no relationship building between them so when he left yeah. it kind of felt like okay listen i know this has been yeah. dangerous okay, yeah, but fine. like you're you're you seem to be having a very extreme reaction to what concludes to be one unfortunate event <laughs> like it's not like either of you knew that this was fake mousack you know yeah like i i don't know it just felt very like like oh all right bye <laughs> yeah uh yeah you know that she's the princess you didn't go near the royal guards because you know you're an elf and people don't like elves and then there just happens to be a changeling. And you're like, all right, yeah, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right. See you. See you later. I I guess. Thanks for the the rat on a stick. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I'll be seeing you around. Um, I'll send a postcard. <laughs> like, that's it. I w- the other thing, um, this, you know, I'm not really bothered. I know some people were bothered by like the inclusion of a lot of different races of actor in this mm. um, because it's, you know, it's a Polish story. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I get that. And, and, yeah. and from a logical standpoint, I agree. Um, it, there is something to be said for at least keeping the nations individually a little bit more like ethnic to their group. Like, even if you want to change the ethnicity of some of the kingdoms, like maybe keep those kingdoms that a little bit more like that, just to have the universe feel like universe, but it's also a fantasy setting. Um, yes, it Mm -hmm. was a Polish book, but it's not a Polish book about Poland. So yeah. if you want to change it's it up... It's a Polish and... book about a fantasy realm. Right. That, you know, oh, God, it has elves, but, you know, God forbid it have black people. Right? What, what I what I would like, and, and call me crazy, is I would at least like if when people are of a different race in a, in a setting where we're going to change the races, which is fine. But again, it's a fantasy setting. You know, I, if we're going to have elves and dwarves, we can have black people and indian people you know but it would be nice if at least those people had some sort of like place of origin like a country that they come from or a continent or a region some sort of like ethnic groups because my only Mm. issue with the show is they got so busy trying to fit every racial group in the show that they forgot to include why those people are there so you just have head of knights is black guy okay right but like this is clearly an ethnically like white country, can yeah, we like, get some significance? Is, is, Nilf, is, is, is Nilfgaard like significantly got more black people? Uh, has um, like Tamaria, is that significantly white people? Like, based on that guy who was yeah. besmirched in the one back in like series grand, like mom's backstory where it was the prince or whatever from Nilfgaard, I was like, oh, are the Nilfgaardians like Greek? They look olive skinned. It was just the one guy. Mm. Just the one yeah. guy is that color. And I was like, Oh, not even his like son? No. Oh, 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 okay. Like his grandson or whatever is a just a skinny white guy. All right. Like it's yeah. it's not that I care which people are what race as much as I care. It would be nice if there was a level of word building where someone paid attention to the fact that like not mm. every country is DC America. You know, like it would yeah. be nice if there was some especially ethnic like groups. in a. If you are thinking, like, yes, sure, it is still a fantasy setting, but it's also kind of like a period piece, if you think about it. And if if you watch a period piece, you know, all the all the people in the fields, they are African-American, if it's like a period piece set in America, and all the people in the house are white. Right, because like, it's a period piece. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so that that's... But even then, like, I, again... I wouldn't have a problem if they introduced a bunch of Asians, which were never in the setting, but just had them all be from mm. one country. I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. I don't care if you want to change the races around, but can we have there be meaning to doing that? You know? Mm. But when we see, like, I don't really know what the racial background is of Yennefer's actress, um, but she doesn't um... look anything like her mother. And everyone goes, right, well, her dad. And I'm like, are elves Indians in this setting? Like, hmm like middle or middle eastern or whatever i'm not sure what she is and i don't mean that to sound disrespectful but i actually don't know what yeah, i i'm i'm not too sure what her ethnic background is either but i mean yeah the, there's just like some level of um 
I'm going to say this word, like tokenism in a way, right? That it's just, we'll, we'll have... We'll we'll have as many ethnicities in the show as we can for um, representation, which representation is fantastic. It's just, you know, people will outcry just like, oh, like yeah, we just need to have people of color. We just gotta and have. I them agree. With no significance, we, just have. I, them. I agree. Like people, pe- like I'm all for representation. Just make it a like you said, make it a coherent representation where, you know, it's it's still relevant to the world like you you look at um like this this is just because this was a huge one for representation um black panther sure like that that was that was great like a great representation and you know understood that you know wakanda in the fantasy setting is is in africa Right. So it's we're a... going to get all the African actors that we can, all the African actresses, and... Go figure. You know? And then we've got white guy Chad Captain America as well. <laughs> like... Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, Wakanda is a country in Africa, you know, that has super advanced technology, so they've left the rest of Africa out to dry. And, you know, it's a very empowering film about just abandoning your fellow man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I actually, like, I... I agree with you, but I yeah. I have a lot of criticisms of um that the the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Wakanda where it's just like yeah fuck up let's put a false field up <laughs> like, right like let's keep out the, the walls we're I, it's a movie that tells a story about how they should have helped their own people and I'm just mm. like that like that's the plot is you know the bad guy's dad was killed because got to help the black youths in America and i'm like hold on i don't think the black youths in america have it nearly as bad as that farmer starving and with the plague over <laughs> in africa that's right outside mm. of wakanda like it's right yeah. there like you see them when they fly over it you know yeah. it's like you live in a mud hut and have you live in a palace <laughs> and i live in a palace that i get for free because we are a super yeah. nation with with Unobtainium. Sorry, I mean vibranium. <laughs> we we have applied phlebotanum, so we're yeah. invincible. You know, I just that was always my. It was a storytelling criticism, right? Like I just, it's, yeah. it's not an issue with the idea of the film. It's an issue with the storytelling. Um, yeah, yeah. But but so anyway, uh, that's one thing. The only thing, the only casting choice that was a race change that really bothered me is it's because it's an ongoing thing that I'm getting frustrated with in the current, like Hollywood cinematic. I'm going to guess that this is about Triss. Absolutely. I am really tired of like, I get it. There aren't a million ginger actors out there to like replace, you know, Mm -hmm. but it has become so consistent in the past 10 years where just any ginger is immediately replaced with a black person that I'm starting to almost feel like it's slightly racist, not against white people, but against like, it's like, what, as long as they've got curly hair, good enough for you. Like, are you just like, Hey, they both have curly hair. Black people have curly hair. Hey, just get up black. Like that feels a bit, it's like, Mm. would you, would you just replace a black person with a ginger when convenient? Would that make sense in the reverse? So why does Mm. it make sense like this? It's a one or two here and there doesn't bother me. Especially with, again, I mean, let's be honest, gingers, there are, I think there are less gingers than like gay people, you know what I mean? Like statistically, mm. um, within the population. So I'm sure that the pool yeah. of ginger 
Uh, I'm actually curious about that. I'm going to have to look that up. With that. Now I'm actually curious what the actual number of gingers is <laughs> in the population. Because um, it's, uh, it's um, a mixture of two recessive genes for um, ginger hair and like, the, the pale complexion, I believe. So it's, I'm just it looking gets it up. rarer and rarer, right? So 2%. Less, yeah. than, less than 2% of the world's population. So, okay, I will give you that it's probably harder to find, but... I seriously doubt that an, an, an adult ginger female actress was that impossible to find for this role. You know? Can you imagine if Rose Leslie played Triss? Just right. the amount of fanfic that would be written about Rose Leslie. Oh my <laughs> God. I know, like, right? If she doesn't have enough already being eager, but... No, I agree like... completely. She would have been She would have been perfect. She would have been mm. perfect. And... And that's the thing is I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, if this was the only one that did it after so many had like after they'd never done it, like the super rare occasion, I wouldn't have a problem because sometimes it just happens. Sometimes there's just a better actor for the role, regardless of race. Mm. And I'm I like, will sure. say that the actress did capture like Tris in a way, like the very soft yet um, like devoted manner um, in the, in the, um, the fort scene, but outside of that, I was just like, I don't think we got enough like, time with her to really like, like her her mannerisms like felt very Triss, but like you said, maybe maybe we'll we'll see a lot more of Triss in season two, and we'll actually like get a real feeling for her. But you know, if I was if I listened to the actress in The Witcher, and then I imagine Triss's voice in the game, I'm just like, okay, like you're yeah, you're on the right track. You're you can you're getting there, but. And and let's say maybe that's why they chose her. Maybe they she auditioned, yeah. and they're like, wow, yeah, she's not 100% a ginger, but she sounds and just holds herself just like Triss. This is perfect. I'd be like, okay, fine. And this isn't a complaint about that in just one instance. It's this ongoing theme that seems to have appeared in recent years where I'm just going, I'm sorry, like, you know, is it really that hard? Like, you wouldn't do it in the reverse. So maybe just mm. not, like... I don't know. It just, it's just, it's one of those character traits that are so defining the idea yeah. of pale skin and bright red hair that is, it's very striking. It really, when yeah. you choose to make a character a ginger, you're choosing to make them striking in that way. And when you remove yeah. that, you're removing some of what makes that, you know, I don't yeah, know. Just imagine if Geralt just had like Henry Cavill just grow out, grow out his natural hair and it was just long brown hair. Right. That's not Geralt anymore, right? I, I, that's exactly. what you're trying to get at, and exactly, I understand yeah, that. yeah. What if, what if they just, they just had long black hair, and they didn't have him be have white hair, you know? Yeah. Um. So, anyway, my favorite actor in the whole series though was Roach. So. Roach did a great job, <laughs> delivered all of his lines perfectly, and really just sort of captured that Witcher feeling. Yeah, definitely. Just the. <laughs> and the yeah those are just, really good oh, lines oh oscar winning moments um i am disappointed that he wasn't like you know floating upside down in one scene at least to really capture <laughs> that the witcher, witcher feeling, feeling. Yeah, yeah exactly i agree <laughs> i agree completely i mean i it was it was strange to me that he wasn't just sort of moving on his side sort of like this sliding across the ground yeah. for like 30 seconds when Geralt first walks up to him and then immediately appearing yeah upright in front of him but you know other or just that, you know jutting his head into the the middle of a talking scene between him and Yennefer and then suddenly Roach's face just 
you know comes in between them in this shot and but they they don't acknowledge his presence at all like it literally would have made sense if like he just sort of (laughs) his head just appeared and just sort of slid in but the two of them just kept talking as if he wasn't there you know oh yeah like that would have really that would have i want to see that on like an outtake reel or something or just like a you know a a funny spoof sort of thing just the actual actors and roach just trying to get a buggy scene from the witcher 3 (laughs) well that would be fantastic so you asked me what i thought of it and i went into my criticisms i'm Mm -hmm. excited for season two i think that the good outweighed the bad it is clear that they didn't i think they made some missteps missteps that i think were heavily related to this being a new ip and the people being involved probably being skittish about how to handle Mm -hmm. it i think there were some artistic choices that they thought would be deep and turned out to be bad but i don't think that says don't keep it going i i i enjoyed it i think the i think i am very excited for uh Mm. when season two comes out i mean the the relationship between dandelion and Geralt, fantastic oh yeah um henry henry cavill's portrayal of Geralt is fantastic i i've i saw yennefer kind of grow more into the role throughout the season i'm excited to see what the actress playing tris um is going to be able to do in season two and you know now that all three characters are kind of together now in the series mm-hmm. we'll have something more coherent they they've built a good foundation to work off work off people are excited for it yeah and with the amount of excitement netflix will be like all right just how much budget do you want you will give you a blank check I hope they do. <laughs> like, I hope they devote a lot more budget to it because I, yeah. I think it needs it. If if you give if you give The Witcher season two a blank check, like it honestly will have the chance to be that new Game of Thrones. And I'm like saying that confidently because the amount of people that have fallen in love with this and you know, are talking about it constantly. The amount of fan stuff I've seen come out already mm-hmm. is insane. And the fact that The Witcher 3 became the third most selling game on right. Steam again after the release is just like so funny to me that so many people went out and bought the game. Well, it's and, clear it's clear to me yeah. that, that it was The Witcher was a good thing to do because The mm-hmm. Witcher is a world that is rich and ready for storytelling. It's Yes. I see a lot of like but first off, also making it a TV show was correct. I'm really tired of people mm-hmm. turning tv video oh, games in the world movies. of like can you imagine a witcher movie like the amount that you would miss oh it would be terrible oh, man i i actually think that movies are the i i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this but i think movies are the inferior form of storytelling i have for a long time i think ever since the idea of like stuff like game of thrones i mean i've got issues with the latter seasons but stuff like game of mm-hmm. thrones a lot of the stuff that's come out i think that now that high budget television and really good television is affordable like it's affordable to yes. make a movie quality television series i think now that that's a thing i think that the television well television but shows are <laughs> the, the tele the magic box <laughs> right i think that shows are the superior form of storytelling um mm. to films i think films can be cool i think they have a place i like good yeah. movies you know into the spider-verse would not be a good tv show um but you could make a comic strip out of that so easily though but yeah right but but the thing is is that i think that um tv shows especially for something like the witcher and a lot of things that need a prolonged story 
I, mm. I think they're the superior storytelling method. Yeah, I, I would I would actually agree with that because a movie, two and a half, three hours if you're like pushing it. Imagine making a or, game of or if you're, movie. Or if you're Lord of the Rings extended, you know, four hours. But I, I um, hate <laughs> I hate the Lord of the Rings movies. I hate them. I oh. I really hate them. I, I hate them because it just does not. It even with four and a half hours extended, I still I don't feel like that does Game of Thrones. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, <laughs> not Game of Thrones. The um, I, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I'm getting tired because it's 10 p.m. Yeah. here. Um, it's it doesn't do Lord of the Rings the justice that it deserves. Um, I think that I, it's kind of like it's actually ironic. Um, they did one book and made three movies out mm. of it which was wrong. <laughs> it was one book that should have been two movies. And then they took one book and made three <laughs> extended movies out of it. That wasn't enough. Right? Mm. Um because because what they did is is that they made they took the Lord of the Rings cuz what did they do? They did what three or I'm wrong. It's not one book that's three movies. It's three books, right? That was made into three movies, isn't it? It's um, um The Hobbit um unexpected journey and then it's oh, hang on well Fuck. not counting the hobbit the movies right those three movies ignoring because that's one book turned mm. into three movies and it should have been two but then the actual lord yeah. of the rings movies is multiple books and it still wasn't enough time if i remember correctly um it's um yeah because it's three movies and that I but believe yeah. it's three, but it is three books, four books, three books. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King, right? That's it. It's those three. So they made one movie per book. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah. that was the mistake, right? I just don't think we got a lot of what the books captured, in my personal mm. opinion. But this isn't. This episode isn't about the Lord of the Rings. I just wanted to no. put that out there because I have that unpopular <laughs> yeah. opinion. Um, but yes, uh, with the storytelling, TV versus movies i would actually agree with you because a movie you know the edge case is four hours mm. normally you're getting two and a half hours two hours from a movie i'll say two and a half just for the sake of being generous um you get two and a half hours to try and tell everything but then if you have a series that you know especially ones that go to 12 or 14 episodes per season you've got 14 12 hours worth of storytelling time that is able to be broken up and watch once a week or, you know, people can watch three episodes at a time or whatever the, the hell they want. And you just, you get a lot more freedom. Well, and the great thing um, about something like a Netflix show is that if you leave off on a cliffhanger, that's okay. Yeah. You know, cliffhangers fucking suck. Nobody likes them. Mm. But if you put them in a Netflix series and all of it is released at once. Mm -hmm. uh, if an episode has to have a cliffhanger to continue the story because you can't wrap it all up in one episode, you can absolutely do that because the person can just click the next fucking episode and immediately yeah. pick back up. You know? So you don't even or it's have to... A week, it's a week at most instead of, like, two years. So now so. You, don't, you don't have to... Well, no, I mean, like, but Netflix does binge style, right? So it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They that... It's always all at once. And I think that's 
even better because then you don't have to stick to traditional storytelling elements of a TV show where you have a beginning, middle, and end of each episode. You actually mm. could extend a single plot line through multiple episodes without having a beginning, middle, and end to the episode because you could literally just click play to the next episode if you want to. Yeah. So it, it, it lends itself even better to storytelling, in my opinion, mm. that way. Um, so yeah. it is, it, we are at the hour and a half mark. Yes. Um, I know that I had a lot to say uh, about these things. <laughs> you, I, you asked, so I answered. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know I'll we take the to, blame. I know we wanted to talk about 2020. Um, uh, and we can, we can do that next episode. I think I we can think. talk that next episode. So guys, yeah, we're back. Holidays are over and we will be back for more. Boo. <laughs> yeah, boo indeed. I don't want to go back to work. Oh, um, you can hear my dog chewing his toy in the background. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see him wrecking my green screen. Yeah, I see um, that. That's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's we're back from the holidays. So we'll be picking back up yeah. with our expectations of 2020, what we're looking forward to, things that are coming, and our mm, thoughts on that. There's some, there's some cool games coming and hell yeah. you know, stuff to talk about. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Witcher, CD Projekt Red, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, speaking yes. of those guys, uh, Cyberpunk, but Cyberpunk. Oh, we'll, we'll save ourselves for uh, for next week, and we'll we'll talk about whatever else is on our mind there too. So. My body is ready. Oh yeah! So, thank you as always so much for watching. If you want to check us out on YouTube, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other great locations where we host this, please, please, absolutely come to YouTube and you can see our beautiful faces and Andy's green screen mm. and my Pikachu. <laughs> and uh, please, you know, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions or, or want to make any statements, please leave a comment below. We love interacting with everyone who comments on the videos yes. and we will be back again next week. So thank you so much for watching again. I'm Kevin. Take care guys. And I'm Andrew. And we will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.